Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, good afternoon, and welcome back. Welcome back to another Porsche Cooled Podcast, uh, the podcast where we talk about, chat about all things Porsche. Today is the uh, Porsche Cooled Owner Stories episode, uh, so we're up to number 10. Uh, this is the episode that goes live on a Tuesday, well, the Tuesday my time, and currently I'm in the UK. Usually I'm in Bahrain, but it always goes up on a Tuesday at the moment. Uh, it goes up about... 1 p.m. GMT time. If you're wondering what time I actually put it up, that's when it goes up. Uh, so this is owner stories. Like I said, this is number ten. And today we have uh, we have Greg joining us shortly uh, by Zoom. So I'll connect up with um, Greg by Zoom. Greg is in the New York area. I think he's in New Jersey. I have to double check with him. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, Greg and I have spoken briefly uh, through Instagram. We haven't spoken a lot, but we have spoken on and off. Um, and Greg is uh, on Instagram, his first flat six, first flat six on Instagram. But I want to ask him more about that because it looks like he, he has a lot to do with um, Porsches, especially 996s and 997s. So we'll get into that in our, in our chat shortly. Uh, but welcome back to the Porsche Cool Podcast. Uh, once again, thank you for all the support. Thank you for uh, all the Patreons, all the Porsche Cooled exclusive members who've joined up. Uh, like I said, if you if you want to support the podcast, it really does help us uh, keep moving along. Uh, it'll help us uh, buy the extra equipment that we need to buy as well. Um, but that's on Patreon. You just go to Patreon uh, slash Porsche Cooled or just search Porsche Cooled on Patreon and you'll find it. It's pretty easy to join. It's pretty easy to set up. Uh, but thanks for all the members so far. We have 13, I think 13 Porsche Cooled exclusive members now. So that's great. Um, and that's about it. So let me let me get Zoom working and let me get uh, Greg on the other line. Uh, hopefully the audio is playing nicely with us today. It was uh, it was okay when I had it with Barry's episode, but I think there might have been a few issues. But I apologize for any issues. And I know you guys are, are, are pretty good on me. Uh, this is um, this is done by Zoom, so there are some slight technical difficulties. Um, okay. Let's get into it and let me just get Greg and let's just start talking uh, Porsche. This is the Porsche Cooled Owner Stories number 10. Okay, so welcome back everyone. Welcome back to the Porsche Cooled podcast. Like I said, Owner Stories today and we're up to number 10. Uh, and today today we're going to have an interesting one actually because we've got Greg, uh, Greg with us and Greg is from, I think Greg's from New Jersey. Hi Greg, how are you? Good morning, Michael. How are we doing? Very well. How are you? I'm doing great. Getting ready for this holiday tomorrow. Yeah, no, I I just realized actually, I'm sorry because uh, just so the listeners know, Greg and I were supposed to do this last Friday and I had to cancel like the last minute. So I really apologize for that. Um, and then I realized it's Thanksgiving, right? So I, 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 I didn't, I didn't even think about it. And I thought about that this morning and I'm glad you could still make it. So thanks. uh, Thanks for rearranging the time. No, it's fine. It's a, it's a muted holiday this year because of, uh, you know, circumstances, but uh, we're we're doing all right. Yeah, well, I'm in I'm in London, so we're still in uh, I'm still in lockdown. So we're in lockdown for another I don't know week. Next oh, week, I think geez. it's the second of second of December. I think they're going to relax it. So I see. But that's what's happening at the moment. So all right. So Porsche Cooled Owner Stories. Let's just tell the listeners just to remind them what it's all about. I mean, for, for me, you know, every Porsche tells a different story, and and each owner has a story to tell, and that's. That's why I wanted to do these owner stories, and that's what that's what they're all about. And it gives it gives me a conversation with other Porsche owners. You know, it's a different conversation do I have with Steve on Fridays, um, and 
it, you know, it, it helps me learn more about the brand, things that I don't know, and it helps me to connect with other people around the world. And I think it's, I think it's a really good thing to do. So that's, that's kind of why we do these, uh, these owner stories. Because someone asked me that the other day. They said, you know, what was, how did you start all this up? So that's how it all started. Um, but Greg, let's tell the listeners first before we get into it. Let's just tell them, where are you from? So you're from, because you're from New York area, right? So you're in New Jersey. Correct. Yeah, so I'm a, I've been born and raised in New Jersey. I'm about an hour outside of New York City, so pretty much between Philadelphia and New York City. Okay, perfect, perfect. And um, just so all the listeners know, Greg has a uh, Instagram, which I'll put the link in this podcast, but I'll just give you the Instagram address now so people can uh, review this while we're, while we're chatting. Uh, it's First Flat Six, uh, First Flat Six written, and it's on Instagram. So just check that out while we're talking, and you can see some of the cars that... Um, Greg has posted on his Instagram, and we can talk about that because it's it's like a curated Instagram. Greg was just explaining to me, and I wanted to talk about that shortly. But the question I always start with, Greg, and you probably know from listening previous to previous owner stories, is what are your before we even talk about the car you own now? What are your first memories of of Porsche or nine eleven? Um, was it something, I mean, some people only get into it later in life when they're an adult. Some people are dreaming about it when they're a child. For you, did it start earlier on or has it only been a recent thing? So generally speaking, I've been a car kid slash guy my whole life. Uh, my mother, you know, I was always into cars and my mother at a very early age, I don't know exactly, but I had an issue. I had a subscription to car and driver from like, you know, as far back as I can remember, you know, yeah. until I moved out for college. It's a shame I threw them all out at every issue for, you know, probably like 10 years from the, you know, the late eighties through the late nineties. Yeah. You should have kept um, those. Yeah. I wish I did. <laughs> I wish I did. But you know, at the time it's just junk, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I've always been a car guy and you know, the Porsche 911s up there with those other halo cars of my era. So I'm an eighties baby and you know, the Countach, the Testarossa, uh, 348, 355, um, you know, cars in that, uh, those, 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 uh, those cars you aspire to, you know, yep. any car guy, hopefully, be able to drive or even, you know, if you're blessed to hope to own one day. Yep. Um, so the Porsche was on that list. I had toys, you know, I, in the, the room that I grew up in, in my folks house, I still have a 964, a red coupe, uh, in my room, you know, a little model. Okay. Um, so it's, it's, it's been, it's been a, 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 the cars in general have been a passion of mine since early childhood. So when did you, let's, let's jump forward a few years. So when did you first the 911 you have now, is that that's your first 911? So the 911 I have now is not my first 911. It's my second 911. Okay. So, go ahead. So what was your first 911? Okay, so my first 911 was a 1999 Porsche 996 Carrera 6-speed. Um, I had been looking. To, I bought the car in January of 2018. I had been looking uh, pretty much for a year before that, so in the 2017s. Right. Um, uh, small kids house, you know how it is. The, my financial position changed a little bit and I could afford to buy one. So I said, hell, let's do it. Um, I always like in your podcast, you describe with Steve, how you kind of can't be super picky when you're looking for these things. Cause they're 20 years old. They were optioned very specifically. And if you find something local that you like, you should probably take the plunge and yeah. just do it. Um, that sounds solid advice. So your first um, car, the first one, the 1998, the one you found, was that local to where you were living? You found it quite yes, close by? Yes, so it, it was. So it was 1990. It was a, a 99. It was about 20 minutes away. I saw the listing go up, and it was priced incredibly. Um, and it, I, I can say now it was a couple of years. I, I paid 
$15,000 for this car. Wow. That's um, good. Yeah. It was the 99, uh, ocean blue graphite, um, 68,000 miles, uh, called the gentleman up. Uh, he was a service advisor at a, uh, a dealership. I think it was an Acura Honda dealership. I don't know. So right away I was positive about that. Uh, he said that the IMS had been changed. He had a receipt for it, which right. totally just the deal was over already for me at that point. I was going to buy the car. Um, didn't even need to see it. I uh, went and got to, I had already made the arrangements for the financing, the check. Uh, I went to go see him. I looked over the car. I uh, popped the hood to look at the stickers. I saw that the car was actually optioned with the super rare limited slip differential that was only available in 1999 okay. yeah. and in the uh, 2004 40th anniversary editions. Yeah, Obviously, I didn't, want to let him, I didn't want to let him know that. Um, I gladly handed over the check. He gave me the car and the deal was done. So you didn't, you didn't, I'll go into my little thing that I always bring up. You didn't get an inspection for the car. You trusted the seller. You went there, you met the seller, you trusted the seller and the car had a reasonable service history and the IMS being the major issue that would be the major problem in the, in the 996, that was so enough PP, to, yeah, that was enough yeah, to so sell you on it. No, no, no pre-purchase inspection. I did not have a pre-purchase inspection. What I like to tell people when they ask for pre-purchase inspections is yeah. these cars are now, people are looking and, and searching for these cars. So when you find one and it is priced, what I would will call quote unquote, a below market, you have to act quickly. Yes. It's a 20 year old car. Even the nicest vehicles will require some sort of, there's always something wrong with them. It could be something minor, a visor's broken, lights are out, tail light needs pads or rotors or something. In the back of my mind, you're always going to figure you're going to spend about $2,000 US to you know make the car right at a minimum when you buy the car. So if it's priced right, you know, as long as, you know, the Carfax was clean. So I was, I trusted that there wasn't any body damage. I looked it over. Yep. If the car is priced right, you have to act quickly. And I would suggest that if you are a car guy, you have to, you know, sometimes you got to go with your gut and just do what you got to do. So to me, the, the risk was already priced into what I paid for the car. Yeah, I agree. I think when it, when it's at a certain price level, you have to, and I'm a big fan of PPIs, you know, but I mean, that's when you're paying, you know, a lot of money. I think when Huge. you're paying, when you, yeah, when you're paying, well, let's just say smaller amounts, it's still a lot of, it's still money, but it's smaller amounts of money. And it has had, you know, you think about the major problem with whatever generation of 911. Every 911 has some kind of issue, whether it be a 964 or an SC or a 996, you know what I mean? There's always something that you have to ensure has been done or fixed or et cetera. Um, so the fact that the IMS was done, did they do the clutch at the same time on that car when they did the IMS or was it just the Correct. IMS? Correct. Yeah. They, so they did have the, they did a big service. They did the clutch, they did the IMS, they did the RMS. It was all in the, uh, you know, it was a, an invoice from the, uh, from the shop and it was a local shop too. I knew the shop. So. And I think I was fully, I, I was very confident in the car, but I will, I will caveat that in saying I yes, would, any private party, I would definitely, even though I just told you I didn't do one, but private parties that you cannot see the car, definitely do a pre-purchase. If you can't get hands on the car, always pre-purchase inspection. I, I was just, yeah, I was just going to say that the fact that it was local, it was a local shop that you were familiar with, you know, it had the IMS done and the price was at a point where, you know, if you didn't get it quickly, then someone else was going to take it from you. Correct. You know what I mean? So that's, exactly. that's, that's a deciding factor, isn't it? Um, so it's kind of, you know, you're still being sensible. It's not sort of just going in there and just buying it, you know, without any sort of any type of research. Correct. Um, Don't ever buy a 911 blindly. I always tell folks that um, if you're spending, if you're buying a, what I'll call a quote unquote collector grade vehicle, a lot of money, you're paying super top retail. 
I would definitely get a PPI for that. Um, I'd get a PPI if you can't put hands on the car. And uh, generally speaking, private sellers, I would get a PPI because dealers, while they have a reputation to protect. So while some of them could and are unscrupulous, we'll say, you know, yeah, you should still do your due diligence. What about a car? Here's an example for you. I'm just going to sure. go off the track a little bit. What about a car, say a classic car, the 912, one of my favorites, right? So say, mm-hmm. I, you know, I found one on Classic Trader here in the UK uh, yesterday and it's 59,000 pounds, right? It's top dollar mm-hmm. it's, and it's nut and bolt restoration. It's in, it's in Wales um, and it's 59,000. Now, in my head, I thought, you know, as a full restoration car, there's probably no point doing a PPI on it. This is what I was thinking in my head. Even though I'm a big fan of PPIs, I'm thinking it's probably not necessary. But then I guess classic cars are a different thing because classic cars, you have to ensure that the right parts were used if you wanted, you know, the right parts from the right suppliers, etc. Um, but it's kind of comes back to trusting the seller. Like this guy's been a member of the Porsche Club in UK for 45 years or something. So, you know, that's in the listing. The thing is, how much do you trust the listing and how much do you trust the seller or would you still get a PPI on something like that that's just been fully restored and looks like it hasn't been driven since it's been restored? So I'll, again, I'll caveat, I'm not that intimately familiar with the 912 market, but I would yep. say it's a classic car. A lot of the value in those is in the restoration and, as you mentioned, the parts used. You say this gentleman was in the business for 45 years or in the Porsche Club for 45 years. If he's well-known and does have a reputation for producing good product... Eh, you know, to me, yeah. you know, 60,000 Aussie is what, 40,000? No, 60,000 pounds. 60,000 pounds. 60, pounds. So, hundred. So, that's about, you know, US, I'm not sure what the conversion is at the moment. It's like over $80,000, I think. Yeah, US. yeah. It's, it's that, top dollar. I'm, doing a, any, I'm spending $80,000, Michael. I'm doing a PPI. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true, 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 true. Okay, so especially, you had- Especially if the car's been around for a while and you know someone's not going to scoop in overnight and, and rip it and, you know, pull the yeah. plug from you. Yeah, yeah no. it is a lot of cash. It is a lot of cash. Yeah. All right, so the um, so that's the first 911, and you owned that car for how long, Greg? So I owned that car for 11 months. <laughs> 11 months. 11 months. I loved the car, but it wasn't the color I wanted. I originally wanted a C4S. It just like you like you mentioned all the time in all your podcasts, it wasn't exactly what I wanted. I knew I loved the car, so I was like, okay. I knew I bought it right. I knew I could get my money back and then some. So um, time to move on and move on to the next one. <laughs> so it gave you the taste for 911. That gave was me the, the taste. taste. That was the taste. Correct. And you realized that, okay, I like this car, but I want something more from it. Correct. So when so, you had, during the, 11, during the 11 months of ownership, did you actually do anything to the 911? Uh, well, fluid changes. That's it when I bought it. So just Oil, services. Brake. Yeah, just, just fluid changes and filters. That's it. No mods, no, no nothing. And when you, when you sold the car, and I don't want you to divulge the price, when you sold the car, did the value go up? In 11 it, went months? Up, it went up substantially. <laughs> it did. Yeah, because yeah. the 996 market, I want to talk to you about that later. The 996 market seems to be turning very quickly. And I was looking at Australian prices today, and I'll, we'll talk about it a bit later after we talk about your cars. But um, especially the Carrera 4S and the 996, I don't know what's happening to the prices of those and whether or not that's a worldwide thing. But in Australia, they're, they're, they seem to be going up very, very quickly. Very, very I don't want to jump around, but you're in the United States. The 4S, I think, has got the wackiest pricing right now of all of the 996 variants. Yeah, it's it's. I saw one advertised at a shop in Australia, in Sydney, which sells a lot of classic and specialty cars, and it was basically a hundred thousand Australian dollars. So what's that? Seventy thousand US. 
Correct. Yeah, it is 70. That's insane. And it was more expensive <laughs> than a, it was more expensive than a 997.1 Carrera S with low kilometers in manual. Not only that, but they're approaching here in the states. Uh, they're they're approaching overlap with turbo pricing, which to me, oh, the really? turbo is yeah is. I would you know the turbo is the 4S with a the, with the Metzger motor. It's like yeah. that's a no that's a no brainer. Yeah, if you had the choice between the two, I know which one I'd take. And me too, but people are buying them. I don't know. I can't explain it. I can't explain it. Well, the turbo. Let's just talk about the turbo quickly. The turbo pricing in comparison uh, in Australia. A good one is about 150,000 Australian dollars, so it's about 30% less in the US, 130,000 mm-hmm. Australian dollars. And good ones are probably better than the lower kilometers and people are trying to get a bit more around 165. So it's a bit of a bit of a variance there depending on which sure. one. Turbos, yeah, I'm seeing can, I'm I'm seeing here in the US you can get into the finest 996 turbo. I'm talking less than 10,000 miles, full service history, you know, cool color spec. Uh, for less than 80,000 US, more likely. And those cars sit too. So probably in the 70 to 75. So 96, about 100,000 Aussie. 100,000 Aussie. So it's cheaper than yeah. Australia. Yeah. So yeah. The, in Australia, the Carrera, the, like I said, the Carrera 4S is high. It's about a, the, the good ones are sitting at, you know, 100, close to 100. But then the turbos are probably 40% more, 30 to 40% more. Yeah. Um, unless it's a really high, and I'm talking manual turbos here. I'm not talking um, Tiptronics. I'm talking basically manual. Correct. Anytime I'm talking higher. pricing, it's always uh, it's always manual. Yeah, but Steve and I were talking today. You know, we always talk about the prices that things are advertised on, and you know, I look at things in Australia and I look at things in the UK for sale. I don't look at that much in the US because I'm I kind of look at the bring a trailer and I look at their prices, but I know their prices are a little bit all over the place sometimes, but. You know, the thing is, what are people actually selling these cars for? And that's what Steve's point was when we recorded a podcast earlier today. Um, you know, so I have, they can advertise, I have the, you can advertise, but what are you actually selling it at? You know, what is the discount correct. they're getting? So, I mean, you could check auction sites because you could see what closed sales go for. But you have to I remember they add in fees and everything like that. But I have the uh, luxury in that, you know, I have a pretty decent 996 following on various social media Um portals and you know folks will do reach out to me and tell me how much they paid for a particular car and right i will just tell everyone you know if you see a car that's posted for sale for you know what you think is a ridiculous price let's say you know a seventy thousand dollar c4s like you said the guy can ask whatever he wants for the car but you know i've seen cars that i've seen listed for sale and i'm like that's a great car but the guy's like on a different planet with his pricing and then yeah. someone will reach out to me a couple of weeks later and say, Hey, I bought this car. And I'm like, Oh man, I remember that car. I wanted ridiculous money for it. He's like, he took 40% less. <laughs> really? You know? Yeah. So these, you know, where it's like, Oh man, I wish I'd known yeah. if I could have bought that car for 40,000 us, I'd have bought it for four, but I wouldn't even, if the guy's asking 60, I'm not going to go off from 40 cause I'm thinking no. he's not going to take it. So I tell I, people the worst they can say is no, the word now I don't, the worst they can say is no. So if you're interested in the car, make an offer. If they say no, that's it. Then you move on. No big deal. Yeah, yeah. I always think, you know, maybe 20% is like pushing it. You know what I mean? 20% off the off the price they're asking. I always feel bad asking for really low. I know people do it and I know people have done it that I've spoken to uh, recently and, and said, yeah, the person took the offer. You know what I mean? Like, when I, so it obviously when I, happens. When I, when I do say that, I mean, if the car, let's say any car, let's say if, if it's worth 70. And when I say it's worth, it's like the general consensus is that's what it should go for. If it's worth seventy and a gentleman, a seller is asking ninety, then make the seventy thousand dollar offer because that's what it's worth. I'm not advocating making an offer for fifty thousand on a car that is worth seventy thousand. That's 
that's, you know, that's a big waste of time for everyone. And just, you should don't do that. But, you know, people that haven't priced it correctly because they don't know the market or they just think, Oh, it's a Porsche. It's old. It's worth a lot of money. I'll Mm -hmm. price it accordingly. You know, feel free to make the phone call. It's a phone call. The worst they can say is no. So let's just let's just mention that to the listeners now because they're probably getting confused and thinking you're a you're a car dealer or something like that because of the knowledge you have <laughs> and the way you're talking. So let's let's just jump forward because it's probably better to give that background and then we'll talk about the second car, the car you have now. Um, so just tell the listeners, Greg, about your Instagram and what you set up and what you're doing and and how it helps people. Okay, so what I guess the the easiest way to do it since everyone's familiar with it. All right, so everyone knows about Bring a Trailer auction site in the United States super big they get super top dollar they have really great quirky wacky cars yep before they started doing auctions the gentleman that ran that site was essentially just posting up car cool cars that he found on craigslist that you actually needed a trailer to go get they'd be in a barn they'd be in the back of a you know somebody's backyard they'd be in a pond um so it'd be a a a cool quirky spec car that was on craigslist and you know, he would post it and people would see it and go buy it. So it was like a curated um, listing site. Right. Bring a trailer. So I loved that site when it was about that. Then they moved into auctions and they've turned into an auction house. Now they don't do that anymore. So when they turned into auctions, I was commenting a lot on the 996s. And it got to a point where a lot of sellers and bat regulars would, you know, tag me to, Hey, what do you think about this car? What do you think about that car? Okay. And I would refrain from trying to bash a car at that at that point. But then I got to thinking, I was like, you know what? People are valuing my opinion. So let me just start my own website and out with the cars that I find, I'll post them on them like they used to. And, you know, it started with me finding cars for myself that I wasn't going to fly to the, you know, across the country to go buy a car sight unseen or anything like that. So if yep. I saw something that was cool, quirky and cheap, I would throw it on my site and someone else could enjoy the fruit of my labor per se. Okay. So, so think you... of it as a, think of it as a site of curated listings that I find on and off market. Yeah. And I, I suggest the listeners go to, it's, it's firstflat6.com, Greg. Correct. Yes. Yeah. So the first flight six on spelled the out, spelled out. Spelled yeah, out. Yeah. Spelled out. Yeah. Not not number six. Not six. Um, sorry. Six S I X. Not the number six. Sorry. That's confusing. Um, have a look at Greg's. Have a look at the Instagram because I, I I had a look at it a couple of weeks ago when Greg and I spoke again after not talking for a bit. I think it was or a few weeks back. Um, and the selection is really good because basically you look at the site and I thought I wasn't sure how it worked, but now I understand. Um, so it's a curated selection. It's predominantly, it seems you predominantly, it was 996s, 997s, Greg, correct? It is nine. Yeah. So the, the idea was, uh, it, you know, I just came up with first flat six because someone's first 911, yep. you know, obviously you know, a first 911 could be at any dollar value, but the 996s and 997s are presenting excellent value wise. So it start, it's had started with those. Correct. Yeah. And, you know, they're, they're 996s, they're 997s, they're manuals, you know, some have got aero kits, there's turbos, you know, there's a really nice white turbo one there I noticed on a post a couple of days ago. Um, I guess in a way, it's similar to employing a person to find you a car, correct? It's almost like, 
That it's is almost, exactly. It, that is exactly. And I'm trying to think is. of the guy's name that was on um, Matt Farah, and I just can't think of his name for a second. Oh, are you, but, are you comparing me to the guy Serio? Yeah, Serio, right? <laughs> so let's talk about Serio because people, a I'll lot of people listen to that. Point. A lot of people I'll listen to that episode. So what? This is what Greg. This is the idea, right, Greg? This is the idea. So I think it's a compliment. I mean, he has a bundle of clients and he finds cars for people, but it's it's almost like the same, a similar sort of service and a similar sort of passion. And it is a passion there because you can see you really love 911s. And, you know, they're carefully selected. And basically, as you know, as you just said, people can then go to wherever the, whoever's selling them and, and inquire about the car. But it's almost like you're picking them out for people who... And I know from, from doing this podcast and doing YouTube that I get messages all the time, people needing help. People need help. You know what I mean? People who are coming to the brand for the first time and not sure if they should get a 996 or should I get a 997 and what should I look for and, you know, what did you do? And, you know, I get messages like that all the time. So I know that this Instagram like yours and your website would actually, um, would actually help a lot of people. So it's exactly, you, you hit the nail on the head. Um, it is essentially, you know, I try to, I find, first of all, you know, people get upset about this, but I only deal with manuals. I don't do PDK. I don't do Tiptronics. Um, excuse me. I try to find the quirky colors, you know, cars that have a cool spec. Then essentially, you know, Porsche, even now today, it's all about the spec. Yeah. Um, the price ranges vary wildly based on color and options. So, you know, you know, I'll, you know, I'll get people that make inquiries and like, Oh, why am I, can I pay you for, and I've been able to monetize this now, Michael. Oh, so you it have? started. Okay. Yes, I have. So it's I was going to ask you with, that. <laughs> yes. It's, it started with, you know, just throwing them up for anyone to, you know, purchase at their will on the website. And then people have reached out for just exactly as you described to help them um, buy, sell, or, you know, consult, what should I look for, et cetera, in buying a 911. Okay. So um, I've had people inquire and they say, oh, why can I pay you when I could just put a filter on, you know, cars.com or auto trader, you know, that's true. You can do that. But, you know, those sites don't know about, you know, rest of world suspension and sport exhaust and deviated stitching and limited slip differentials. You know what I mean? So those things take time to find. And the sellers, a lot of the times aren't aware that those things are worth money or that they're special. So. No, you're you're right. You're right. I mean, you know, look at uh, thinking about cars that people don't know that special. In James, who I had on owner stories a couple of a couple of episodes back, or one ep- episode eight, I think it was James from Melbourne, and he bought that cup car, and he bought it from a dealer in Melbourne, and they had no idea what they had in that cup car. You know, they had those the are those are the best. You know, when the, when you can sense that, that's like yeah. you you hit the jackpot. <laughs> and so you get a nine nine six cup car at a really good price, and it's it's quite a significant history of that car. You know, the the people that used to drive it and race it, and you know, and then he sold it on to someone in the U.S. in Miami, actually. Um, Correct. So that's what yeah, happened to it, that car. It happens. Yep. Um, so let's go on to the next one. So we had the we had the first one. You had that for eleven months, and then you thought, okay, um, I'm going to buy another one. And did that happen? That happened quite recently. This the new car, right? So tell everyone yeah, what, so what you bought next. It, it took over. It took about a year and a half to find it. So I actually. So this, the car, the first one had a graphite interior. And for people that know me um, and follow me, I'm not a big fan of the graphite interiors. They just age terribly, and they show a lot of dirt and wear. And just not a big fan. Um, and the car, one of the major criticisms of the 996 is the interior, you know, it, yeah. uh, I don't know if you guys in Australia, did you guys have the Ford Ranger pickup? Uh, they have it there now. Yeah. Ford Ranger. Okay. The all new right. ones. So, they have new yeah. ones. Yeah. All right. So I'm talking the older ones, like from okay. the mid nineties, you know, had a very 
terrible interior Ford Ranger type for anyone in the U.S. Um, I wanted that car had base the base leather. I wanted a car with full leather. I also wanted a car with a a really a cool um, color, speed yellow, you know, cobalt blue. Um, one of the a, a very you know not silver, not black. Essentially, wanted to stay away from. It feels, feels like ninety nine percent of these cars are some shade of silver or gray. Yeah. Um, so. What's wrong with silver, Greg? You know, I've got a silver one, right? No, no, no. I I don't mean that in any disrespect. I know you're driving a silver 997. But, you know, and if you think about it in the 90s, the late 90s, the silver metallics were all the rage, which is probably why every single 911 seems like it's it's silver. I just wanted something different, Michael. That's all. I didn't mean no disrespect to anyone, any (laughs) any Arctic silver owners out there. Um, So the timing probably could not have been worse. I saw the car listed for sale. Um, at a dealership in this next state over. So it's about a four hour drive. Right. Um, this was late February. So this is right when COVID is ramping up. Uh, yes. The stock market had just cratered, had the worst week ever. Um, the car was listed. It had terrible pictures. It had aftermarket wheels and it was at a dealership. It was at a Porsche franchise store. So those okay. were like three, those were three strikes against me right off the bat. But it, the car was speed yellow. And I adore Speed Yellow. Fantastic color. It is a base non-metallic color that was not even an upcharge when these cars were new. And for some reason, no one specced them in this color, or at least they very rarely specced them in this color. Yeah, uh, they're, they're not very popular, but it is one of those. It's such an iconic color in in the 911, isn't it? Um, it is. It is. That, you see, you know, the roof yellow birds. The yeah. you know, these cars are you know when they they pop in yellow. I don't know. There's something, there's something about it, and not racing yellow, speed yellow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, speed yellow is great. I'm looking at your Instagram now, actually, just looking at your car. So you found that car, yeah. So then, I found the car, and and then. I was like, ah, kind of, you know, COVID is running rampant. You know, the the uncertainty of what's going on. Do I? So I just called the dealer. I said, let me. Well, what do I? I don't have anything to lose but the phone call. So I called the dealer and asked him about the car. And before I could even ask, the the salesman reached out to me. He was like, oh yes, we have this car. It's in the shop right now. We're 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 redoing the IMS RMS and we're getting it ready for retail. So now I'm super excited because. The price with the IMS RMS done is now in the range of where it should be. Right. So then the gentleman proceeds to tell me, oh, I also have the stock wheels and the car has, it was optioned with, uh, it's called the Carrera Spoiler. It's option code XAG. I was going to um, ask you about that, actually. So that is a factory spoiler, is it? That is a factory because spoiler. Because it looks like a slightly different shape to the 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 normal aero kit spoiler is it a different correct shape? so so this car is a 2002 2002 they did not make the factory aero kit available uh, in the united states yet that was 2003 and 2004 so this spoiler was a carryover from the 996 ones i believe right so these the salesman reached out and said oh i have the fact i have the stock wheels i have the stock um stock deck lid so i do have the it the car also has the i could revert it back the the stock um automatic lid that comes up i'm looking at the picture on your story actually that's on that you that you put up for me um Mm -hmm. on the highlight it's a nice shape spoiler isn't it it's got a nice shape about it and it kind of it's not a gt3 spoiler which is what i think is kind of nice about it it 
it's not the same shape, is it? Correct. It's not as, 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 uh, what's the word? Uh, it's not as big. It's not as out there as a GT3 spoiler, but it is a, it's a, it's called the Carrera spoiler option code XAG. It is still available today. You can get it on a various Suncoast. I know offers it. It's super expensive. I would not advise anyone to pay what they're asking, but if you want to, it's still out there and you could still buy it. Okay. Well, that's a good option actually, if someone wants it, because it, it does actually look really good. And so, I like, uh, and like I said, I like how it's not trying to copy the GT3. It's a specific spoiler that's just, you know, for the Carrera. Correct. So the gentleman, the salesman reached out, said he had the stock wheels, the stock spoiler. They changed the IMS, RMS, and yep. he had a folder of service records oh, perfect. with the with a Porsche certificate of authenticity, with all the books. I had three keys. The gentleman who owned the car, I have every record from new on this car from 2002 to the day he traded it in. How many miles, so, Greg, was it? 19,000. Only 19,000 miles. Only wow. 19,000. So was this correct. priced? You don't have to you don't have to let on to the price to the listeners. Um but was it priced at a premium because of the miles and because of the condition? It was not. It wasn't. <laughs> in for in my and fortunately for me it was not. I think it was priced under market. Um, but so the, you know, these, these Porsche stores, all the stores anyway, they, you know, a lot of times they take these cars in extremely cheap. So even though I paid what I would consider not market for it, I'm sure they made a ton of money on the car anyway. <laughs> right. Right. Cause I was wondering if it, if the dealer, you know, some dealers, they're not really that clever sometimes and they thought mm, yellow 911, I'm not going to be able to sell this that quickly. So I'll price I find it with the, I find with the Porsche stores, you know, they, they know Porsche, but they don't know the 996 and 997 are isn't in that used car category it's not a classic and it's not new they got they got guys there that kind of don't know about them and they right. they're they are generally priced well they were earlier this year under market but now you know the market has gone ridiculous for these things and now i think all of them are overpriced but that that's that's a conversation we could yeah. have later <laughs> it, it's it's a great look it's a nice it's a really lovely looking 996 and the speed yellow it really does make it you know i kind of like how it does stand out because the 996 is always the silver the black not Correct. so much so white was, because james who was on the previous podcast he had a white 98 and i thought the white looked really good in it too even though you don't white, seem to sell the, yeah correct the, the carrara white they call it mm. super rare on these 996s you mm. never see and again base color no one bought i don't yeah. know why yeah, I mean, everyone bought guards and red. Plenty of guards red, every, I'm sure, yeah. but just plenty not of the, guards red. Not the speed. Plenty yellow. of silver. Plenty of black. Yeah. So the car was nineteen thousand miles. It had a black full leather interior. It had uh, eighteen inch the lightest wheels, the BBS Carrera twos. The dealer had put fresh new Pirelli P zeros on the car. Uh, car has PASM. Uh, my favorite options are the yellow seatbelts, uh, painted center console, um, leather steering wheel is very nice. I think, Greg, sorry to interrupt, I think that makes a huge, and I've said this before, I think it makes such a huge difference in the 996, and I think it's just due to the design of the interior, that when that center console is painted in body color, it just makes the car inside just look, to me, it makes it look so much better. Um, looks great. Breaks yeah. up the, the sea of the, you know. Cause you don't want even, carbon. Even it's just all black or all savannah or all gray. Or yeah. Natural, you know, it's just, it, I agree with you. It looks fantastic. Um, has aluminum trim bits, has crests and headrests, what else? Uh, heated seats. And then another controversial topic, which I know you spoke about and I love, has a rear wiper. It does. Yeah. Yes. Do you use it? I have used it once. <laughs> <laughs> I had this conversation the other day, didn't I? I actually yes. do. I do use the wiper. I had this conversation with Barry, I think. Um, I do use it, but I have to admit if I 
Spect one, if you were buying one new, I'd probably, I'd probably opt not to have it. I'd probably say no, no rear wiper. I just um, like the look of it on there too. I don't know but, why I can't But then it. again, I, I do actually use it. You know what I mean? Like I have actually mm-hmm. used it and it does work. So in fact, it probably works better than my front wipers at the moment. Um, <laughs> all right. So, so what about the um, – would you buy for your uh, 996 for your Speed Yellow, would you buy the new um, classic PCCM Plus system? Would you put that in there? So me personally, I don't – the car is a weekend toy. Um, all of my, what I'll call weekend toys, you know, I have small children putting car seats in the back of those is a very, is a very laborious chore. Um, so if I do a thousand miles on a third car, it is a lot. So for me, I don't see the value in putting a, I think they want me $3,000 us for that thing. Yeah. They're expensive in the car. If I was daily driving the car, which some people do buy these to daily drive, I would probably do it. But since I don't, I'm I'm okay with not having it. Right, I think Porsche's done a. They've been pretty smart with it though, because uh, I see so many Instagram posts where people have added it to their 996. Um, so oh, without many, a doubt. Like yes. everyone seems I've to be doing it just to just to make the car feel more modern. But like you said, it it has to pay off, and it is it is an expensive option to do. It is a very expensive. It is expensive. Option. I put it like this. I I think if you were to buy the car today put the pccm in tomorrow and then try to sell it for three thousand more what you paid with the pccm i don't think you get that value back no no i agree i agree (laughs) so so you've had the car since february march february correct i got it uh they shipped it in march correct i took i took delivery the friday before lockdowns (laughs) so it sounds like it's pretty uh it's pretty sorted it sounds like you don't really have to do that much is there anything you'd like to do to it is there anything you'd like to add to it so they did, I, I think, I'm not going to go through the list again, but they did do, a, a, they replaced the battery, IMS, RMS, fresh tires, uh, oil change, obviously, when they did the IMS, <clears throat> excuse me, when I got it home, I did the brake fluid, the coolant, I did the remainder of the fluids, I did the filters, and um, uh, I think that was it. I know two weeks after I got the car, the, the alternator went put, okay. uh, kaput, um, so I, had to, I did have to replace that. Um, and then as far as mods, since I've gotten the car, I have, um, I have installed an Olin's road and track suspension. Oh, really? I have, yes. I have H and R spacers oh, okay. on the front and rear. Um, I added the OEM aero kit two chin spoiler to the car. Um, so you spent car- some money on the suspension then that would have, that's, not, d- a, that's not a cheap, uh, that's not a cheap purchase that one, but it's a good purchase, so right? It really will it make is a, a good purchase. So a lot of people do ask about that. Why would you change the suspension on such a low mileage car? Okay. It's 20, 19,000 miles, 20,000 miles. That's still, the rubber is still 20 years old on those yep. things. Um, I am a form over function person. But I do still like the look of lowered cars. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I agree. You know, I think the 996 sits too high. I wanted it to go lower. But you know, another thing that people struggle with: oh, you should have just bought H and R Sport Springs. Let's say mm. the the labor to put in springs and coils is the same. So at that point, you're already going through the labor, and you're going to pay for it. So to me, in my eyes, it's just better to buy a quality product to make the car drive as good, if not better. So I will never understand those folks that go out there and spend money to make a Porsche worse. So how does it feel um, now? You've, you've fitted these, the, you fitted them the, already, the Olins? The, yes, they've been, I, I got them in, uh, in the early summer, June or July. I think it was July. 
the car. And did it transform the feel of the now, car? Listen, I'm not a race car driver, Michael. It feels great. I feel like I got my money's worth and the car yeah. looks fantastic. And I know I put in a quality product. They weren't, you know, some aftermarket, uh, you know, cheapo coilover that, you know, is not mm. going to make a 911 drive worse. Mm, mm. So um, that was the, and I know it was a quality product. So when I go to resell, you know, I'm not saying I'm going to get all the money back for it. But, you know, it's a quality product. People people will know it's a quality product. Yeah, no, I've been – I mean, you probably heard me talk about it. I've been thinking about doing that to when I get back to Australia to my car to um, change the suspension to the that Bilstein one that everyone talks about on Renlist. The PSS 10s, right? <clears throat> yeah, I, uh, PSS 8s, I think. B12. Eights, it's called okay. the B, B12 Pro Kit, which is – Yes, B12, I know what that is. B12, B12 Pro Kit. That's the one I was thinking about. Um, Correct. So I don't think that's an actual coil over, though. I think no, that's it's just not. a kit. It's, it's a it's a springing kit and yeah, correct. Kit. It's a sport. Correct. Yes, it's not coil over. No. no. I'll be honest with you. I have never changed the ride height of mine. That's probably a weight. I probably should have just gotten a a, a, a combo spring and and uh, shock kit. But um, I don't know. Like I said, it was a nice car. I wanted to put in a nice product, so I just, I just yeah. No, it's a, that's. A, I think it's a great decision. I think you made a good decision there. Um, I like I like the 911 slightly lower. I mean, my 997 came with its on lowering springs, as I've mentioned before, um, and you know I think it looks better. I think it does look better. It could be fractionally higher, you know, just a little bit higher because it does scrape here and there. But I mean, looks wise, it definitely gives the stance of the 911 a much better stance when you see it. That's for sure. Yeah, the scraping is the scraping is terrible. I I, I did add a I added an OEM uh, lip, the front lip, so. In my investigation, so the GT3 lip, six hundred dollars US. Shipped. Can you add that to in, your? Hang on, sorry, you, sorry, Greg. What's the sport? What's the front spoiler you have on your car? Then you can add the GT3 lip. So you can add the GT3 lip. So it, and it looks good. I've seen a couple cars with it. You'll see on my if you go on my Instagram, I've seen it's it's on there too. Um, right. You'll see you'll see cars that do have it. So you can add it. I will just say that it's $600 US, I think is a lot of money for a piece of plastic on something that will likely get scratched or chipped or hit. Um, they make the GT3 cup lip, which is $200 shipped US. However, that lip is even bigger than the GT3 lip because it's for a cup car. So right. if you're worried about scraping the lip on your GT3 lip, you're going to it's going to be ridiculous with a cup lip. So how do they car. fit that? How do they fit that lip? Is it screwed in, is it? It is screwed in on the underside of the. If you look on my stories, it, it yeah, shows. I give you a shot. Know. Yeah. Yeah. Paul's um, garage. So uh, it. Uh, they. What I didn't know when I was researching this is, so in the U.S. they made a. They call it the Aero Kit Two, which the car just looks like a GT3 body yep. kit on the on a standard Carrera. Yep. I thought the slip spoilers were the same. However, they are not. So that car came with a different part number. It was called the uh, the Aero Kit 2 lip spoiler. So it is slightly smaller than the standard GT3 lip. Right. But uh, to me, that was a plus. I didn't have to really worry about scraping. And it was on the underside of $200 shipped US. So I figured that's the move to make. So I thought it, it good. had it installed. I think it makes a, a hell of a difference. On yeah, the it does. The car. It does. It looks good. It looks good. I didn't notice it before when I was looking through it. It actually looks really good. Um, so that's so mods. Did we get onto the mods? We didn't get into the mods. So you're going to do anything else to the car, or that's it now? It's pretty much. Done. I think I think I'm done. You know, I, like I said, I don't want to do anything to the car. I think people get a car and they go nuts with mods. You know, to try to make it better. I don't think you're going to do better than the folks at Porsche. Um, no, 
I think you've. Uh, I think you've got it. It's pretty. Looks pretty set up to me. It looks. Yeah, no, I don't. You know, people put the air filter in. You know, I, it doesn't make a lot and, of difference, though, does it? The air filter. I haven't done mine. Uh, I know people. No, you know, it's like you know, some people like the sound, but it it robs power. Like that's all over the internet. There's dinos to show it. Doesn't right, increase right. power. You know, so why do it? You know, so honestly, Michael, I think I am done. What I may do is I may do the side skirts, the Aero Kit two side oh, skirts okay. uh, in the spring. They're still relatively affordable in my eyes uh you can get them cheap shipped under a thousand dollars us that doesn't seem like a bad buy for me so it looks like the paint of your car is in really good condition too it looks like it's in pretty immaculate condition. it is original paint i did, I'll, I, I'll go back and when i did have the uh when i was looking to purchase the car i did have the salesman do a walk around on facetime with the paint meter for me oh, okay paint meter okay. all the panels because uh, you're buying a, a, a Porsche with limited mileage and you're buying it. I don't want to say I'm buying it as a collector car, but if I'm hoping that it goes up in value, you got to ensure that it's original paint and original body panels. And it will go up in value. That's for sure. Correct. Um, what, uh, so that's what you're driving now. Um, are you still looking for other 911s? Are you still looking or you're just, you're just going to hang on to this one for a while? You're not someone who wants to have two at one time, two 911s, like an air-cooled and a water-cooled or... I would love it. I don't have garage space, and um, I don't know. My, I don't think my wife would be too happy about it either. Yeah, that's she what she wouldn't. She wouldn't tell me. I don't think she would tell me no. But I know it probably wouldn't be great in my house for for me for a little while if I did do that. So I'm gonna. I I'm gonna keep it. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm a car guy. I'm already looking on to the next one per se. You know what I mean? So you what? know, and I see I see what's out there and. Um, if someone made me, you know, I, I try to, you know, I, not to different strokes for different folks, but I'm not one of those guys who likes to get attached to the car. You know, like yeah, there are yeah. people out there that, you know, love these cars, like their dogs or people mm, to mm. me, to me, it's a car it should be driven. Um, if someone makes me the right offer today, if I get off this podcast with you and someone made me, I'll, I'll sell the car today <laughs> it's yeah, a car. and then get your next one to get <laughs> the next I'll get one. My, yeah? I'll get my next one. Correct. You know what I mean? So it, that, that's kind of, that's, that's where I'm at with the car. What other 911 do you like? What, what else would you buy? Would you buy it? Is there an air cool that you really like? Is there a modern 911 that you I really think like? What would you, I, what, what I stands out ship, for you? I think the ship has sailed for me on air cooled cars. I don't really want to spend the money. And I think, you know, I think Steve said it best the other day on one of your, <clears throat> one of the podcasts, I don't know which one I was catching up this week. You, <clears throat> they, you drive them and they are very expensive and then you get in them and sometimes they just feel like an underpowered older car. You understand yeah. what I'm saying? Not to yeah. disrespect the cars, but I don't think the value per, I don't know, enjoyment or smile is there on the air cooled stuff for me. Okay. So if I'm looking to the next one, I'm looking in the future, looking for something newer. I'm looking for something that I think is undervalued and could be collector in the future, maybe a GTS 997 or 991, you know, the last NA, you know, Carrera, or I really like the Carrera T's and the 9912s. Um, That could be something I could be interested in the future, but something along those lines as like, you know, looking for the next car that is hit the rock bottom as far as depreciation are the, you get in it and you drive it for free and then you move on to the next one yeah that's the way to be are the Carrera T's just a quick question the Carrera T's in the US are they still holding quite high prices are they still st- staying quite firm or they come down a lot um, you know those, those are still about $100,000 cars here yeah because they're kind of like people didn't really get them did they some people did and then they sort of like 
they, I don't know if they sold that. The people world. that got them are people that think they're GT3s and they price them, you know, they think they're really, really special. I mean, a lot of people will say, oh, it's just a, it's got the base Carrera engine in it with uh, yeah. you know, GT3 buckets. It's not and a big deal. In a way, I say that. So I say I want a Carrera T, but there's at a certain point, I wouldn't pay the Delta that is out there between a base Carrera S and the T. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I like the, I like the Carrera T. I just think so many people um, spec them the wrong way. There's so they many, did. and I look at them in the UK, they've got the sunroof and they've got the receipts and, you know, and they've got PDK. And I just think so many people spec it the right way. And I think if you spec it properly with the manual, with the non-tinted windows, so you still keep the lightweight glass, you know, um, no receipts, all of that sort of thing. You know, the leather instead of the ebony, uh, the ebony trim, you could get the yes. leather to replace that ebony trim, which is awful. Um, mm-hmm. I think you've got a really good car. If you keep yeah, it, if you're going to keep yeah, it for some time, you're not going to make money straight away. But I think it will. No, be that car still. It's still. I mean, they're they're holding at like you know between ninety and hundred here. Um, yeah. They're. I think they're still depreciating. I think they still will depreciate for a while. Um, but I, I, like like James said, you know, you, the key is to get in on something rock bottom. You can drive it, enjoy it, and then when you're ready to move on, you know for a fact you won't have lost money. I'm not saying you're going to be hit the lotto and you know outperform the S and P, but yep. you'll you'll get your money back. That's the goal. Yeah, that's the goal. The goal is to experience as many as you possibly can and not be out of pocket too much and, and just keep gradually building up, correct? That's that's correct. that's that's the trick and that's it's not easy, but some people can do it, but it's not easy, yep. but it's it's what we all sort of try to um try to try to do. So in your um where are we? There was something else I wanted to ask you about in nine nine six. So for a lot of people that listen to the podcast, um, Greg, you know, they're looking at their first nine eleven. Do you think that they should get a 996 or you think they should spend that little bit more and get a 997 i know the prices are changing in some of the models but 996 is in general in a base carrera manual is still less than a 997 do you think they should spend the extra money and get the 997 or you think they should get a 996 so the 996 is a lighter vehicle you know it drives more like you know people say the 996 is the it feels like an air-cooled car, but has the modern conveniences of a, of a you know a later model car. So it has you know good air conditioning, and it it feels like a more modern car. Um, I would say, if you uh, if you absolutely cannot get over the interior, or if you're one of those headlight people, if you mm-hmm. if those two things you cannot get over in a nine nine six, then yeah, I would buy the nine nine seven. However, I would not buy a nine nine seven for. 20,000 more, and I'm just using an arbitrary number. I wouldn't pay a huge delta over the equivalent 996. Right, right. But I would, but but the 996 is, you know, especially if you spec it right and you get the right options on the car, is a fantastic 911. Yeah, but I think if I think people who are coming into the brand, I mean, there's nothing wrong with a Boxster. I don't think there's anything wrong with it, the Boxster. Nothing wrong with Boxsters it. or Caymans. But I'm just saying if you come into, if you, I still think it's, if you can, I think push to get a 911 before you get a Boxster. I don't know why. I just think it's, it's get into the 911. And if so you can I get, a, a, if you can get a cheap a, 996, you know, if you can get a cheap one and you can get one at a good price still, even if it has got high mileage, as long as it's got a good service history, I think it's still something to consider, right? You shouldn't get, I get this, I, put I get off this by the a mileage. Lot. Yeah, I get this a lot. It's... There's nothing. It's nothing against Boxsters and Caymans, but you know, uh, you didn't have a poster of a Boxster in your room. You didn't have a poster of a Cayman in your room, and I feel that a lot of folks will talk themselves into a Boxster or a Cayman, and then I call it not a 911 syndrome, where after a few weeks you say, "Man, 
I really should have just bought a 911 or I should have got a 911 or this yeah. isn't a 911. And then you end up having to sell the car and go into a 911 anyway. Yeah, and a Boxster makes sense when maybe when you've got a few cars and you've got a, if, if you like air-cooled and you've got an air-cooled and you see people that have small collections, they have an air-cooled and they have a water-cooled and they might have a Boxster as a track car or a Boxster as just a fun car just to do drives on the weekend. You know, people It seems to get into people's collections and I think that's because the value is still quite good. You can still pick up a Boxster S for, you know, in Australia, they're still really quite cheap. They're like 30000 30, Aussie or something like that. Oh yeah, they're great. They're, they are great values, but a lot of people can't. A lot of people don't have room for just a two seater, you know, in their garage. You know what I mean? So. But I, but I think you hit it on the head. It's not not it's not a nine eleven. Do you know what I mean? If you Correct. think you're, getting and I don't mean that in some no. snooty, no, 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 no. disrespectful way. You know, no, it's still not a nine eleven. Um, Correct. And you'll eventually probably want a nine eleven. So maybe you should just go straight to the nine eleven and get a get a nine nine six. It's you know a good price. Um, what's the pick pick of the 996 variant? I think we touched on it before. I mean, my pick is the, uh, I think, the GT3 and the Turbo. Um, that's still my GT, pick. Okay, so GT, they're great cars, both of them fantastic. If money's no object, you're exactly right. But if we're going to factor in price-wise, um, I think that guys looking to get into their first 911, I'm thinking 996. Uh, so the big debate, I'm trying to be quick. I know we're going to run out of time here shortly. 9961 versus 9962. I've owned both. I right. prefer the dot two. Um, it did increase horsepower by, I don't know, 20, what did we go from two, 300 to 315 slash 320. So 20 okay. horsepower, um, slightly heavier, but not very much, you know, hundred pounds. I believe the car feels faster to me. The interior with the full leather is nicer to me. Um, if you're going to go with 9961, I think the perfect spec, or we'll call it the holy spec, would be a 9961 factory aero kit, factory sports seats, M30 sport suspension, yep. um, sport exhaust they didn't make in the 9961, um, but they uh, did make in the 9962. So aero kit, M30, sport suspension, limited slip differential. That is the unicorn 996 in the united states right right but you would go for the nut the point two over a point one. i would go for the point two just because it hey, i like i like it better uh, now there's a price premium there so you have to factor that in but uh that that's the that's the that is the um what but i, I think would, that's what, good what advice though because you've had a point one and you've had a point two so that's that's good advice you know the difference you felt the difference Correct. So there were there were two options that they made P14 and P16. Yes. Uh, P14 Sports Pack included the M30 Sports Suspension and the Sport Seats, um, and then the P06 GT Pack was the Aero Kit, the Sport Suspension, and the uh, stainless steel tips. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. Um, what about where you live? Uh, for I always ask this question. And I'm always interested to know if, just for other people who are visiting the areas or you know drives. Where is the where do you take your 911 when you want to take it, when you want to get away from the kids for half an hour and you think, I want to drive the 911, I want to drive the 996. Are there good roads around where you are there in, in New Jersey? So it's very congested. The roads are horrible. They're pothole they're pot ridden. Um, oh, they are. <laughs> with uh, quarantine here, my kids have been with me like 99% of the time. Um, <laughs> So unfortunately, so that's a bad question then. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a great question, actually. You know, 
I'd love to get away, excuse me, but, uh, you know, then I have to leave my small children with my wife. And then, you know, she's like, oh, why do you get to go away for, you know, have fun for a little while on your own? So, okay, here's um, another question. Here's another question. In the US, where is the one yeah. place you want to take your 911 to drive? What is the drive you want to do in the US? Uh, a lot of people talk Taylor the Dragon. Um, is it as good that. as what? Is it as good as what everyone says? Because everyone, I don't know. I, it, that's just you know things I read on the internet and in various you know publications. That's that's you know I've done personally. I've done the I've done a, the Pacific Coast Highway from Monterey all the way to uh, Los Angeles. That was a very cool drive. It was a okay. long drive. It was a great drive. I did it in a in the, the very touristy Mustang convertible. I wish I had a 911 at the time, but um, that uh, would that have been that would have been fun though in a Mustang. Oh, it was fun. They had a good time. I know why everyone who drives convertibles wears hats now. <laughs> <laughs> I learned that the hard way on that trip. But, so, uh, but yeah. um, so your Insta, so, so Greg's Insta, like I said, is flat, first flight six. So if people want to reach out to you, someone's living in the US and they want help with their help finding a 911, what, what should they do? Should they just reach out uh, to you? I would you? say DMs is DMs is getting very. Probably, you, as you probably know, I can't keep, keep up with them. Greg. Yeah, you can't. I, you can't I lose keep track up. everywhere. Correct. You lose track and it's people think you're ignoring them and it's not, you just miss it. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So I would say email mail at firstflat6.com and it's all spelled out. F-I-R-S-T-F-L-A-T-S-I-X.com is is the easiest way. That's more manageable and I can actually get back to people. Yeah. So like I said, check out Greg's Insta and have a look at what he puts together, what he curates for the the 911s. Like I said, 996s and 997s. They look really, really good. And your nine, your nine eleven is. I like the speed yellow. I have to say, I've been a fan of it. I mean, I know they come up in um, the speed yellows. Always come up in GT threes, or they occasionally come up in GT threes in Australia. There was a couple that came up, um, and it always looks good in a GT three. Um, yeah, you'll see you'll see it occasionally in the GT three, the turbo S's, the turbos, C four S's, C four S's, and speed yellow in the United States are getting ridiculous money now. It's it's. Insane. I don't know. Yeah, we were just talking about that. I don't know if we did we talk about that when we were recording. Yeah, we did early. In the yeah, yeah. Started. I mean, Correct. I can't. Yeah. I I just don't understand the the four S. And I know the four S that nine nine six four S when it came out, it was quite a popular. It was a popular variant, and it was expensive. You know, it was up there mm-hmm. in prices. Um, and I, I'm I'm just I'm guessing it is the wide body. Correct. It is because it has Correct. the wide body. Yeah, it's the wide body and the reflector in the back. It's and the reflector yeah, it in the has back. A, it has the greatest behind of any 911 that's been ever produced. Yeah. <laughs> and for the 996, I guess there is no Carrera S in the 996. So people think, well, I don't really want the base one. I'm going to go to this one. But I think, you know, I still think, you know, you would look for a turbo. Um, turbos, like I said, are more expensive in Australia and the more expensive, I think, in the UK here. Um, but I would I would jump to the Turgo primarily because it's got the Metzger engine. That's Correct. what I would do. I wouldn't. I'd probably skip it. Even though I'm a oh, big, yeah, then I'm you a don't big have fan of the Forest. I'm a big fan of the Forest have... when they were cheap. Not now. Correct. But then they, yeah, also going with the Turbo or GT3, which are both Metzger based, you don't have to worry about the IMS issues. You know what I mean? Yep. Which are well, always looming back there. Don't get me wrong. I, I mean, we, I, the fear mongering about that is is ridiculous. Yeah, I know. I try not to think about it, but I am thinking about it more and more. So it is. That, uh, you mentioned the other day with the uh, the post from Auto House Hamilton. I I looked at it, and that was. I mean, I tell people all the time. Yeah. Don't go. Don't go looking for problems. Yeah. Uh, people all the time. Oh, what about bore scoring? What about IMS? You know, drive the car, enjoy the car. You do a bore scope. And you see something that's not great. Now you're you're done. The car's spoiled for you, and you know what are you going to do? You now you're going to you know you don't want to be those guys that pass on a bad car to somebody else. You know what I mean? That's yeah, not cool. True, true. Um, the so problem with just, that. It, 
Mm. Sorry, the problem with that car is though it's not you know you you obviously that person I, I don't know the whole story about that picture in Order House Hamilton, but obviously the person did proper checks. They did certain checks, Greg. You know what I mean? And correct. You know, no sound, no you know, no signs. You know, and you have to trust the Order House Hamilton when they put that post up. There were no signs of the car having it, and then you open it up and you see that it's like. It, it's a concern. You know, it, it is out there. I mean, it's not happening to everyone's car, but it is out there. Do you think it is the IMS issue is to do with low mileage cars more so than high mileage cars? I think no, because if you've seen people, that's a common misconception. If you've read forums and you go to, you know, the various auction sites on the, here in based, US based and read the comments, you'll see cars that have had engines replaced at 80,000, 90,000, 100,000 miles. This stuff. Okay. This stuff happens all the time. It's not a low mileage uh, specific issue. I, okay. It can happen anywhere, anytime. So, so everyone that listens to the podcast, I always say I'm, <laughs> I'm an enthusiast. I'm not an expert. All the times I've been saying high mileage cars are okay, they're not. Greg's just confirmed it. No, it's not. not. Listen, a lot of this stuff, is, the, Michael, a lot of this stuff is anecdotal, right? Yeah. Um, it, I'm not saying it's common. I don't have any. The only statistics you can go by is the lawsuit paperwork that Porsche did. I actually came with mine, uh, with my car. I have paperwork for the lawsuit. And if you read it, you know, I think Porsche stated something like less than 10% of the cars had issues, something like 8%. And the 99s, which had the dual row bearing, were even less than that. So it's a one in 10 chance. And I would say my position on this is you go spend two, $3,000 US for peace of mind that your car will not explode. Yeah. It's a small insurance policy. The IMS solution though, the one the one I'm familiar with is LN, LN engineering. Does it actually have a have a shelf life? Does it actually has to be redone after X amount of kilometers or X amount of years or is it Okay, good great question Michael. So, if you go to LN's website, they do say it is a wear item and it's 7 years 75,000 miles. Now, caveat that with LN is in the business of producing IMS bearings. True, true. So think about where the recommendation is coming from. Mm, I mm. have not, I'm heavily into 996s and 997s. I have never come across a car that has had an LN bearing fail. Right. And a lot of these cars had bearings put in in 2010, 2011, 2012. So they are already seven. My car had my first car, the LN was installed in 2012. So at the time it was knocking on that door, six, seven years old. Right. So they suggest, I I, they suggest they it, suggest but they're it, probably covering themselves in a way too. And, and, and like you said, it is their business. Correct. It's their business. Be careful where you, you know, just be mindful of it, is all I'm saying. Good advice. Good advice. All right, Greg, we're almost in an hour, and you know I like to keep these to an hour, or I think we're over an hour, but that's fine. What else would you like to tell the listeners before we go? Is there anything else? Uh, no, I'd just like to thank you and GT Steve for having me on. I don't know, you know, I, I picked up your podcast uh, early quarantine. It was probably that first week of April, and I, yeah. typed in, uh, I typed into Apple Podcasts, you know, 996, and one of your earliest episodes, maybe like the first three, you talked about the 996, and... That's how I got, you know, that's how I discovered you. And I don't know, I, I can't be the first one that told you this, but you have a radio voice, Michael. I can't explain <laughs> it. I don't know what you do for a living, but if the right person hears this, I can't, I got to imagine there's narrate, narrations and voiceover work in your Thanks, future. Thanks, Greg. Thank you. Yeah, no, it was good. It was good that you reached out. I remember I was in, in Bahrain. I think it was like way back in March or something. And I think yeah, it was, it was, there was one comment. I, I think remember. it was one <laughs> comment was about Steve's microphone. 
And I think the other one was about <laughs> 996s. I remember. I remember. Yeah, it was. I remember too. And not, you know, you probably thought of, you know, that's why Steve's sound criticism. is so much better now. That's why his sound no, is so much better. I made him go out and that, buy a microphone. See, that's good. Yeah. Um, all right, Greg, that's great. Thanks for, thanks for being on Porsche Cool Learner Stories. I want everyone, though, to go to, uh, go to Greg's Instagram, First Flight 6, give him a follow, and the website as well, which you have uh, blog posts and more information about the cars. Correct, Greg? Correct. You'll get the more information, and you'll actually have the link to where you can go purchase the car. Yeah, but um, like I said, I looked through uh, Greg's Instagram, First Flight 6, and you know it's really well curated. Uh, they're all manuals. They're 996s. They're 997s. They're low-mileage cars. Uh, some have got, you know, interesting options. You know, the first one, I, the one actually you posted, I think, a day ago, I thought it was a GT3, and it's just a Carrera with the aero kit. It actually looks quite good. Um, the gray one. Is it Atlas Gray or Seal Gray, that, that gray one that was up there? Atlas Gray. Atlas Gray. Slate Gray. It might have been Slate Gray. Slate, slate gray, gray. Slate Gray. Slate Gray. Yeah. All right. That's great. Thanks so much, Greg. Thank you. Um, thank you for taking the time out on the, on the morning. I appreciate it, Michael. You keep chugging along. You're doing a great job. No, thank you so much, and uh, thanks for all the support. Um, all right, okay. everyone, thanks. Thanks for listening to the Porsche School podcast. Um, that was Greg from US. Greg owns that Speed Yellow 996, and he's First Flight 6. That's about it for today. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. Bye.